Hello, and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 27. Last week, Brian and I talked about who God is. And in this episode, Brian and I are talking about the nature of sin and what sin can tell us about who God is. In addition, we're talking about the four relationships that have been broken because of sin. So there's a lot of talking about sin, but it's a great conversation. As a reminder, you can also now view each episode on YouTube by searching for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. You can also find links for the video on our Facebook page, as well as on our webpage, thebiblebistro.com. Before we get started, we could use your help. We're looking for suggestions on what topics we should talk about next. The Bistro is focused on talking about scripture and theology, so if you have questions about a certain biblical text or theology, we want to know. We have a post right now on Facebook you can comment on, or you can also go to the website, thebiblebistro.com, and click on the button in the upper right corner to send us an email. We really do want your input. All right, let's jump into this episode looking at sin. There it is, and we're back. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, Brian. How are I'm you? I'm the Brian half of Ryan and Brian. And I never I'm get the, to say that. You say every episode, you say, I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian. I'm happy to relinquish those responsibilities to you. <laughs> I, I just want to say I'm the Brian half of Ryan and Brian. You are the Brian half, okay. and I'm the Ryan half. I'm not so we're, the we're Ryan all, part of Brian. Together, we're a whole. <laughs> Moving on. So <laughs> we're in the bistro. We just had some wonderful lunch. Yeah. What, what, Should what, we give a shout out to the Busy Corner Restaurant in the, in Goodfield, Illinois? Yes. If you've been there, you know the pies are the thing. The pie. I had a Door County cherry. That's right. Pie, mm-hmm. and it's it delicious. Was very good. I, for the first time ever, had the chocolate silk pecan pie, which is like a chocolate pie, and a pecan pie had a baby, and it was amazing. <laughs> Oh, those hybrid babies. Yes. They're delicious. Hybrid pie babies. <laughs> hybrid pie babies. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Bistro, everyone. Um, we like to eat in the Bistro. We, well, you're in video, so now they know for both of us. For me, I'm saying for Okay, whatever. For both of us, you said. That's fine. Anyway, I'm staring right in the camera. All right, so, Brian, what do you want to do? I know what we're going to talk about. Tell us what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about sin today. Ooh. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of funny because we, we, we're we talking a little bit theology now. We talked about the theology of God. And he's a creator and these kind of things. In a funny way, when I first started thinking about sin in relationship to what it was and and thinking from a theological standpoint, again, the same thing we've been talking about, learning how to to think about it and talk about it well in a, in a in an accurate, truthful way. It really helped me kind of understand what this Christianity thing is all about in a strange way. I know it sounds strange to say sin is kind of what really helped me figure a few things out. <laughs> it, 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 you're right. It is a strange way. <laughs> well, that's me, right? I just think about things a little yeah. bit differently sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, for me, it was it was really beginning to understand what the nature of sin was. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just start this way. And there's a couple of different ways we, we could we could think about it. But when I was a kid, I would always think, in terms of Christianity, just being a list of those things you avoid. If you're a good Christian, you don't do this, you don't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that was kind of what I what I thought about in those in those terms. But it 
you know, I think it's a bit more than that. And there's a reason that sin is sin is what it comes down to. And right. so there's a couple of different ways I want to approach this. The first one, I kind of want to look at the beginning of, of sin, if you will. If, mm-hmm. if we think about the first part of the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. So Genesis 1 and 2, we have this idea of creation. And I think we have to start this way. You know, we'll often talk about the world we live in being being fallen. Have you ever heard that that idea? Yes. We yes. live in a fallen, fallen world. world. And we look around us and we see evidence of that. We see, you know, brokenness. We see wars. We see violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, reports this week, for example, uh, they were talking about shootings in Chicago and just, the, you know, number. We see all these kind of right. things and we say, this is not the way God intended this world to be. And, and so I always say this, you know, we talked last time, I think last time on the podcast about God. What what it means for him to be God is he's the creator of everything. Right. That, yes. That's kind of the very foundational basic idea that he created all things that exist. And, and for us to understand anything else, I think, before we go any, any further, we need to understand that the way God created the world was good. Right. So that the, Yes. So it wasn't created in a no. bad... There right. Was, it's good. Just like his character. Right. Sorry. <laughs> so... I should have taken that drink before. Video. <laughs> so, <laughs> can we edit that out? So, no. the beginning the beginning of the book of Genesis really shows us that God created the world good. In fact, if you remember Genesis chapter 1, you have the, the seven days of creation, the right. six days God created, the seventh day, day he, he rested. rested. Every day, you might remember this, it talks about God created, and it'll say it was, it was morning and evening the first day, morning and evening the second day. But the other thing it says for every day is God looked at all that, or God looked at what He had made and saw that it was good. good. Uh, the word, I'll, I'll say this: I'm kind of proud. Ryan's made the, after all my cajoling, has finally made the commitment to study some Greek. Yes, yes. So because of that, I'm going to start talking about Hebrew. So, <laughs> so the Hebrew word for for good, perfect, is tov. Tov. So every every day, he said, you know, he looked at all. He, all he said it was tov until he gets to the sixth day. And of course, six days is the day that that God creates human beings. Mm-hmm. So he makes human beings in His image. In fact, go ahead and look at Genesis chapter one. Since we're talking about this, we might as well read this this little mm-hmm. part of it. And I'll say, if if you're if you're in a place you want to follow along on today's podcast, Genesis one through three is really where I'm going to hang out a lot a lot of the day today. I think the Genesis one twenty seven. It's talking about that sixth day, uh, and here's what it says. So God created mankind or humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Technically, in Hebrew, it says he created him. Male and female, he created them, but we don't have to go there. But God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it, which we've talked about before. Rule right. over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God says, I give you every seed-bearing plant, uh, whole earth and every tree that has fruit in it, seed in it, they will be yours for food. All the beasts of the earth, all the birds of the sky, and all the creatures move along the ground. Everything has breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food, and it was so. And then verse 31, listen to this. God saw all that he had made. So he's setting back the end of the six days of creation, the day he made humanity, and he said it was very good. The, the word there is tov meod. He's, so every day he says, this is tov, this is good, this is good. And then that last day he says, this is Tov Mayod. This is very good. Kind of okay. an emphatic. It's, the Mayod is the very. Is, is a, an emphatic form. This is very good. And, and so the way God created the world is good. And I think we have to believe that. We have to understand that first. Or I'll sometimes say the rest of the Bible makes no sense. 
But some of our favorite words about what God is doing in the world are words that begin with an R-E, I always say, like restore yes, or redeem, mm-hmm. uh, you know, renew. And, and the re means to put it back again. And so unless we understand God creating the world good in the first place, the rest of the, the idea of redemption or re- restoration of what was broken in the beginning doesn't make doesn't sense. Doesn't make sense. So we have to understand, I think it's important we understand that God created the world good. Very, very important. But as I said, we look around us and we we see that this is not the way God intended it to be. We see lots of things happening, see a lot of you know tragedy, death, destruction, brokenness, and we say, what happened? You know, right. and that's really things what, are broken. That's what really the story of Genesis three is about. So when we talk about the world being fallen, the story of the fall, we say, and we say F with you know a fall with a capital F. Is is this is what happened? This is where the brokenness uh, entered the world, and and I think the way we answer this question about what happened is crucial for our our worldview, right? Well, yeah. So as we think about that, you know, that fall happening, how did it happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what we're going to get to. But but here's what I, I was going to say in terms of worldview. You might remember when we talked about worldview, we said. One of the parts of our worldview is the way we answer. It's our beliefs. The problem. Right. What, what's the problem? What's the solution? And mm-hmm. so when we get to Genesis 3, it's really the what's the problem thing. Right. Well, you guys might remember the story. Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning of it, you have Adam and Eve that are in the garden, and the serpent comes, and, and essentially there's a lie that takes place. So, so look at the first. Go ahead and read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, if you would. Yep. For we'll pull it up here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So this idea is that that the serpent, um, we can talk about the identity of the serpent, but here this is what he's identified as the serpent comes and lies to the woman about what God has said. So there's this idea of, of, of a lie of, a, mm-hmm. a, a, of an untruth. Did God really say, you know, questioning what God had said, questioning right. God's reality, trying to distort that perspective. Exactly. Did God really say, and then when she said, well, yeah, God said that, you know, she re- reiterates what God had said. And then his response is you will not surely die. Now that's, that's a direct contradiction to what God had said, right? Contradiction to truth. And it, it it's it's what happened is that death entered the world because of their their going with the serpent. I call this sometimes rebellion. You know, they rebel against God's order. Um, they decide. You know, they they want to know f- right and wrong for themselves. They want to kind of be the determiners of right and wrong for themselves. And really, that's been the problem. Then ever ever since ever since this time of the garden. So what caused the fall? I would say was humanity. Adam and Eve, of course, they were the total of humanity at that point. Right. But they rebelled against humanity. And I say we don't or against God, I should say. And we have all followed in that. We have all chosen to 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 rebel against God, is what I would say. Yeah. And so 
God gave them a choice. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. I think that's that's a hard thing. I think yeah. sometimes for us to to get our mind around of like if God knows this is going to happen and there's going to be right. this separation, what does it mean for God to give choice right to them? Well, and and there are some there are different ways that people interpret this, but yeah, I understand this to be a a, a true choice that Adam and Eve have to to do what God has said. But you know, we talked last time; God had already known kind of what was, what was going to happen. happen. So the question sometimes I get when I talk about this is why why even bother? Why why did he do it? Um, you know, you say you, you sometimes say to me, Ryan, everything goes back to a movie for you. Yes. So um, I'll, I'll say that that you know there's a there's a theological treatise that I like to talk about with this when I'm when I'm thinking about this and it's, it's uh, Bruce Almighty. Okay. Yes. I never saw the yes. movie Bruce Almighty. It's a pretty interesting movie. It is an interesting movie. It, it's actually got a lot going on theologically. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a it's a good movie for provoking thought. But th- there's at one point where the the actor who's playing God, who is um, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. I, I can never remember his name, but Morgan yes. Freeman's playing God. And he appears to Bruce. Now, Bruce is the whole point is Bruce kind of wants God's power because he thinks he can kind of do it better, which is really right. what the fall's about. I think you know, it's like oh, there we go. Yeah, it's like, here's a movie about the well, and we 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 do this, and and so he's really made a mess of things, and mm-hmm. he's kind of sitting there, he's unhappy, he, you know, he thinks he's making himself happy because that's the whole thing. In the first point is God, you're you know, you're not doing things the way I want, and my life's a mess. So he's got this power, and and then. But here's what Morgan Freeman says to him. He says, "He says you you can do anything you want, but you can't make someone love you, right? Mm-hmm. You can't you can't affect." And 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 so Bruce says basically, "Well, how can I make somebody love me without, with, you know, with giving them free will?" And Morgan Freeman, playing God, says, "Ha! Welcome to my world." Okay. Now, here I think there's a couple things going on here. Is I would say love without choice is not love, right? It's, right. It's force. Love, mm-hmm. love is a is a is a giving. It's a giving of ourselves. Right. Uh, any person, God, God's love for us is a gift. It, it's Him giving of Himself for us. And when you force that, it's not love, right? It's, right. it's something. It becomes something different. In fact, we use pretty pretty bad words for things that have to do with, um, you know trying to force love you know it becomes a very a very sick a very kind of manipulative manipulative you know you can use all kinds of different terms to think about what that means and so when you think about god giving us the choice to love here's the other thing is we didn't talk about this a lot but in genesis 1 it says that he created us in his image and so i think and there's a lot of question about what exactly that what, means uh, yes when we talked about God, I think at least a couple things it means. When we talked about the theology of God in a previous episode, it at least means we're communicative. Right. We're, we're able to communicate in mm-hmm. a different way. Now, animals, you might say, well, they communicate with one another, but not in the same way that we can sit here and have a podcast about these kind of ideas. They're not philosophized. Right. There's not philosophy. Right. And, and to the degree of specificity and the, the, you know, the way that we can use language. Mm-hmm. So we're communicative. Uh, I would say we're creative. You know, God was the creator. He made the world, but then he gave us the ability to take the things that he made and use them in a way that are creative. So we mm-hmm. can, you know, we make art, we make, we manufacture um, uh, tools to use. Mm-hmm. You Music. Know, all of those kind of things are a way in which we, you know, we're not God, but we are in his image. And so we we do those kind of things. But I think the other thing is love. You know, again, I, I suggest God is love, and we even see him loving 
the other persons within the Trinity before creation. And so he created us with that capacity for love. And I would say that an inherent within that capacity for love is, is the ability to choose. The capacity to turn it down. Right, right. So so some people say, well, why do you, you know, if they knew, he knew he was going to eat of the tree, then why did he even put it there? You know, mm-hmm. why did he make it accessible to them? But, you know, I would say, I would say it, there's no freedom, right? There, without the, the ability to choose, there is no choice, right? There is no true freedom. Mm-hmm. And I believe, and not everyone believes this way, but I believe in true free will, what I would say, and in, in the, the, the fancy term for it, libertarian, not a political sense, but in a mm-hmm. theological sense, libertarian free will. I believe in true free will, not apparent free will, but I believe that we truly have the ability to choose, and I think we see it here. It becomes important later on for different things, and we may talk about that at, at a later time also. Yeah, but that, that's a really important mm-hmm. piece. It is. Yeah, you know, this is one of the conversations I have a lot with yeah. uh, some friends or in groups, like how we understand this happening mm-hmm. really affects how we look at the rest of yeah. Scripture in some ways, and how we um, reflect on what our role is yeah. in the world as well. Absolutely. Like, and, and you think like, well, this is just, it's in that pivotal moment that, that a yeah. lot is shaped. A That's lot of right. theology gets shaped afterwards. That's exactly correct. And, and, uh, you know, we, we said before worldview, these, these founding questions about origins, where do we come from? Who mm-hmm. are we? What's our identity? You know, what's the problem and what's the solution is, is foundational for, for our worldview, and that's what you're saying. Everything, you know, worldview affects not only the way we think about things, but the way we talk about them, and also then the way we act, the way we we respond to to the world around us. Right, and and the theological word is theodicy for the problem of evil. The problem of evil is yeah how yeah. we how not, we not just the fall. No, right? no, yeah, the, and so the this idea idea of theodicy to use a fancy word here, and I'll give you another fancy word in a minute, but. <laughs> Yeah, that that problem. The fancy word podcast. <laughs> that hey, we should think think about that. That that problem of evil though is is what causes a lot of people problem, even with the idea of the existence of God. You know, if there's mm-hmm. a good, all powerful God, how, how can could evil there be exist? Evil? Mm-hmm. And I would say it's because He loved us enough, and He created us in His image in a way that we had the ability to choose. I would say, and this is going to become very important, maybe not in in today's episode. We may talk about this in a later episode, but. I would say that the idea is God did not bring evil into the picture. We did. Mm-hmm. When, when, we, when we chose, um, you know, with our free will to rebel against him, we're the ones who brought this into the, into the picture. And, and so that, you know, gives us an idea about who God is and, and even why the world is, again, fallen the way that it is. Let me, let me say a little bit more about this then. Let's, let's go ahead a little bit further. Okay. Uh, this choice that Adam and Eve made to rebel— to separate themselves from God then had had big implications. Now, God is the source of and the creator of all life. Mm-hmm. So when when you know this when God says if you eat of this you will die, you know that's kind of the idea. If if you choose to separate yourself from the source of all life, then that's the result. It's not God. I, I would say it sometimes this way. It's not that God is punishing them with death. It's not the death penalty. It, it's him saying, if you separate yourself from the source of life, this is going to be the natural consequence. Mm, okay. Now, now in an essence, and this is just something for us to think about at some point, but in essence, if God would have, and I think we've talked about this before, if God would have that day said, I'm going to let you die then, there, I mean, who was going to, who, who would there be to accuse him? Right. I think he would be totally justified in, in doing that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, instead, as I've said before, God is merciful. And, and he it, still sustains them 
even as they separate themselves. He still allows them to live. He he sustains their life. I, you know, I, I suspect that it would not even have. You know, he. It's not that God would have to kill them. It, it would be simply that he would not continue to to sustain their life, and they would have died. Mm-hmm. So they separate themselves, and that has has implications for us then as well. If we think about, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about this this idea of the fall then and the implications and the the way that we understand this affecting all of humanity, and I would say it affected the entire universe. Uh, also ha- has some questions. So what I say is we have followed them as human beings and all descended from Adam and Eve. We have followed them in that rebellion. We have all ourselves then chosen this made the same choice. Well, well, with one notable exception. <laughs> you know, who, G- who? <laughs> Jesus, ah, Jesus, Jesus is the answer. That's a great but answer. I would say Jesus is always the answer. We don't always know the right question. So, <laughs> so this idea that, that we've all followed then has had implications, but I, I, the way I like to think about this is I like to think about broken relationships when we're talking about the sin and I'm not the only one. There are lots of other people who've talked about this in this way, but I think we see four relationships that are broken as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. The, okay. the first is, and the most obvious, is there's a broken relationship between God and and humanity, God and, and Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the here's the way we picture it. You might remember later in this chapter, it says, after they hide, they're hiding from God, it says, God came to walk with them in the cool of the day. Yeah. And I love that image. And and I always say this, there's I wish we had more in the Bible about what the world was like before the fall. Mm-hmm. There's very little about what the what the world was like before this took place. But that gives us just a glimpse that there was relationship. There was there was an intimacy that humanity had with God. And th- and that's really what we're trying to when we talk about redemption, that's what we're trying to get back to. Is that right relationship it, with God? Is being in right relationship with God. That's what that's how we were created to be. That's what we were created for. And when we separated ourselves from him, that relationship became broken. Now, I think most Christians understand that, that we're, you know, until God provided a way through Jesus Christ is what we believe, we were separated from God. Most people understand there's a broken relationship there. Right. But I think there are other broken relationships that come as a result of this. First is I think there's a brokenness within ourselves. So you see it here. Even in that passage that you read, you remember what happened at the very end of that passage? It says they hid. Their eyes were open, and they knew they were naked, and so they hid. Okay, mm-hmm. so so that idea I would call shame. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a brokenness within in themselves. I think before that they were they had a sense of their their proper place within creation, right? Mm-hmm. And and there is now this sense of an, I'm not at peace with myself, mm-hmm. a brokenness within ourselves. And I think we all can relate to that. I don't know if we've all thought about it in terms of relationship within ourselves. Right. But and, and I've said in some ways, this is for me the most difficult to understand being healed. Like I can understand the way that Christ made, I mean, I'm amazed by it, but that Christ restored that relationship with, with God, mm-hmm. uh, made it possible at least. But the idea that I will one day be at peace with myself is for me. And that maybe say something about me, but that's the thing that's hardest for me to understand what life will be like in the age to come, that that there will be this sense of uh, peace and rest and uh, being, when I say at peace, at peace with myself. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes about the number of things that we do during the day 
And, and I would say, I, I'm not trying to make a confession here or anything, but I would say the, the vast majority of my day is taken up with, the time is taken up with me doing things in order to give an appearance to other people of being together, right? Mm-hmm. We, we sometimes will talk about that, trying to hold it all together or, right. or give this appearance. Yeah. So, you know, we take showers, we, you know, make ourselves presentable, we, mm-hmm. we dress with the same shirt every day or whatever. And that's right, son. <laughs> same shirt. And we, we, you know, we do these kind of things and, and, and there's a brokenness within ourselves. I mean, there's sometimes we all have these fears about ourselves and these inad- feelings of inadequacy, mm-hmm. at, least, at least I do. Um, there, there are sometimes, um, depression, right? And, right? and there there are serious other kinds of uh, ways that we're not, our minds are not at peace with themselves. And I think this is a result of this brokenness. This brokenness. What Adam and Eve decided in, in separating ourselves, and again, we've all followed them in this, results in this kind of lack of peace within ourselves. Mm-hmm. The third relationship is then the brokenness uh, between people. Uh, from one to the other, we might say, a broken relationship. So broken relationships with God, with ourselves, and then with others. And, and we see this. Let me read. This is in chapter 3, verses um, – um, verse 16 is the is the image of it, I think, that we see. Um, it, it says here in verse 16, uh, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. You think even that joy of motherhood, you know, comes in, in with pain mm-hmm. um, and, you know, if you've seen that or been a part of that, you know, you, you know that you, with painful labor, you'll give birth to children. And then there's this idea, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you, that there's going to be this kind of things not being established the way that they should. There's, there's a, there's a brokenness there. Now, I think we see that illustrated even more clearly in Genesis chapter four. If you remember the very next story is about Cain and Abel. And, yes. and here's the interesting thing, just because I'm talking, we talked about the brokenness within ourselves. I think we see this with Cain and Abel, because Cain, it begins with this sense of frustration or or right. jealousy uh-huh. because his sacrifice was not acceptable. Right. What came out of that then was him killing his brother. And I would say that's the ultimate act in a brokenness between two people would be to, to try to take their life. I mean, this idea of murder. Again, something given by God, the life life that he is the only one who's the source of, right, mm-hmm. to, to take into our own hands that we're going to take another person's life, right, is that right. is is an ultimate illustration of that brokenness. But I think we see it in other ways all the time. Uh, you know, what are some other ways you think about in terms of, like, brokenness with each other? Yeah, like, like, like not a severest murder maybe, but, you know, you see you – know, just whatever fighting between people, you know, fighting and hate, divisions, hatred, prejudice, maybe, you know, yeah. you see this, this way that we're not in right relationship with one another. And then the fourth way, and, and sometimes this is the one that kind of messes with people, but, but I would say there's a brokenness with creation. Look, look at verses 17 through 19. I'll just keep on going here in this okay. section. And again, we often call this the cursing section. The, the, you know, this yeah. is the curse and that's not a bad name for that, but I think we sometimes think about this as, well, this is God going, ah, you did, didn't do, do what I want, so I'm going to mess with I'm, you. I'm, yeah, punishing you. Instead, I kind of, it'd be interesting, I think, to read this and think about God sadly saying, this is an, almost an announcement, God saying, sadly, because you have chosen to do this. Here are the repercussions. Here, here are the effects. Here's what's happened. 
And so verses 17, it gives you a little bit different understanding, yeah, absolutely. right? So verse 17, he says to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So even creation itself was, was affected through painful toil. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, to dust you shall return. So we get the change from this garden where, I mean, they, they had work to do. They, they were called, you know, he was called to subdue the garden. To, but but they, were, they were in a place they could reach out their hand and take fruit. And, mm-hmm. and now the world has become a place instead where there is hardship and toil. It's going to fight against them. It's going to fight against them. And so we see this in, in I think, today in natural disasters. We see it in diseases. And, and, and that's the ultimate theory. He says, and you're going to return to the dust. Mm-hmm. You were created and given life, but now because you've chosen to separate yourself from life, ultimately this is death. So there's separation between us and God, separation between within ourselves, I would say, mm-hmm. and sep- separation with other people. And a separation from creation itself, so that creation becomes not this uh, partner, if you will, in our lives, but becomes this this thing that we're we're at war against, or we're working against in a constant kind of way. And uh, so, so here's the thing: I suspect that all sin fits within one of these categories. Uh, okay. If you think about these three broken relationships, or four. Uh, well, four? yeah, I'm sorry, four. <laughs> these four broken relationships. Yeah, I think there's a way in which in which sin fits into that. So any sin you think of, I think would fit into one of those four relationships. Gotcha. You want to think about some... Do I want to think about some Some sins? examples? Gluttony. <laughs> okay. After we had pies, you and I both made the joke <sighs> come about... Come on, come on. We talk about sin and we just had... Well, who do you think... So which of those relationships do you think that's most about, this idea of gluttony? Uh, against ourselves. I think it's us It's us taking... Yeah, trying to fill, in, in essence, you know... This this emptiness in us, this this lack, in a different way. Now, it also in some ways, and there's a really great book written about this a, a few years ago. Really incredible short book, but one of those that really changed my mind about stuff. And he talked about the way that our brokenness with God, um, you know, we're trying to always fill that void mm-hmm. that that's within us. You know, that we were created for that relationship, and when that relationship is gone, we try to fill it with other things. And the interesting thing is, if God is eternal, then that hole that is left within us can't be it's filled. eternally deep. Can't be filled by anything material. And so, what we end up doing then is taking more and more of gluttony. You know, we take more and more food, or uh, you know, if you think about addictions, we take more and more of whatever, whatever we're addicted to. Mm-hmm. Or you know, even he he mentioned shopping addiction. You know, we try to satisfy it with buying the right things, and you know, all of this is is a brokenness. So, so there's an example. Uh, what what are some other like theft? Okay, so you know you can think about this. I think in a couple of ways. How would you see theft primarily uh, against each other? Against each other, I think you're taking what rightfully belongs to another person. You're thinking I deserve it myself. There's a little bit of ourselves in that too, right? Like mm-hmm. a, there, I, I think theft would have at its heart a, a, a me problem, which is greed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're we're doing something wrong to another to another person. Yeah, and when we talked about this, I, I shoot a lot of videos for like a cancer center. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Even uh, cancers and all that stuff that it's broken creation is broken. Yes. You know, if you, right. I, I did this interview with a doctor recently and talking about like our DNA is yeah. cells are always splitting. Yeah, 
And when something goes wrong, it's the DNA gets changed. It gets yeah. changed a little bit. And Mutate, kinda, mutations, Mutations, right? yeah. mutation, mutation. And it just takes that one one letter in a DNA strand, yeah. and then it's, you know, catastrophic effects. And I think that's what, when we talk about the the brokenness with creation, that's what we're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of, that's kind of the effects that we have. I'd say that there are ways we sin against creation, too. You know, there oh, yeah. when we think about... Uh, maybe littering, or we, you know, we think about misuse of the natural resource. God has given us these resources to use appropriately, but there are ways that we can misuse them, or uh, we we try to take them all for ourselves, or you know, we we don't uh, treat the the earth or the the environment we find ourselves in with with appropriate respect. Mm-hmm. Then this is a sin. I, I would also say, of course, you know, we understand our relationship with God is broken, and, and we usually don't have to talk about that too much, but like the sin of idolatry, which oh, is yeah. mentioned, interestingly, you know, of course, in the Old Testament, it's a huge deal, but in the New Testament, it's mentioned frequently as well. Um, you know, little little children stay away from idols is is the end of 1 John, for example, and Paul calls greed idolatry. And, you know, there's there's these t- ways in which we're called not to, not to have, um, not to set up idols, and, and that's a way that we're demonstrating, if you will, that brokenness we have with God. It's like the the love of money. Right, right, yeah. right. That we put that, we, whatever we put in place of uh, uh, God, you know, whatever yeah. we try to replace him with. Okay, so let me ask you about this. Sure. So, and, and well, I think the interesting thing is this is like, it's also not just something that we do that like, the broken creation manifests itself. You know, I always think about in the psalm, you knit me together in yeah. my mother's womb, mm-hmm. but then we see children that are born, mm. stillborn, or, yeah. you know, with have birth defects yeah. that, you know, this is one of the things for me is like, s- Satan messed with the building, uh, where, where, where are you, what are you right. thinking about over well, there? Well, I think you said Satan messed with, I, I don't or think not it's, Satan, but sin. Yeah, sin, for sure. And I, I don't think, here's, and here we need to be very careful. I'm not talking about particular sin. Right. Remember John 9, and just to, just to make sure we're clear about what we're talking about yes. here. John chapter 9, there was a man born blind. This is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. He was born blind. And so the disciples had a question. And it was a theological question. That who they would sinned? Have, who sinned? Was it him or his mother, right? Or mm-hmm. his parents, literally mm-hmm. is the way they ask it. And, and so that was a theological question. They had no question that his blindness was a result of sin. And actually, this is mm-hmm. one of those worldview things. Yep. From in the first century, that was one of the beliefs. And there, we can actually look at, if you read the book of Tobit from the, inter, from the intertestamental period, from the Apocrypha, there's an example where sin is directly connected to blindness. And that was a belief that people had during this period of time. And so you remember Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now, he was not saying that they were sinless, right? He's not right. saying that they are immaculate. What he's saying is that this blindness was not a direct result of his sin or their sin, that you've misunderstood mm-hmm. the question. Yes. And, and then he, of course, overturns the effects of, of the blindness, which is, again, like we said before, pushing it back, back against these effects of the fall. But, but here's what I would say is those things, like that man's blindness, was caused by, by the fall, that we live in a fallen world. So it's, and this is what we're getting at. It's, yeah. it's affected creation so that... Let, let me say it this way, all kinds of disease, like you said, these, these mutations that take place within DNA, all of these diseases ultimately have their source in, in we li- us living in, a, in, a, in an environment that we were created to, to live in in a perfect harmony with, but because of our own rebellion, uh, you know, the answer, way we would answer that has, has affected it in this mm-hmm. way. All kinds of diseases. You know, we've just come through a year where we've had a, a serious pandemic. Uh, and and so those kind of diseases, but also 
what you're talking about is is a particular kind that affects us even in the womb or mm-hmm. or can affect the mother or you know these kind of things so i i would say that all of them but 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 it's because we're fallen, not because of a particular, particular sin. sin. It's not right, like yeah. you, you look at somebody it's just, and say, it's the creation is broken. Yeah. And so the, the birthing process has pain in it now that wasn't exactly. intended. And so like, yeah. even those who come from it, you right. know, we're not, we're not who we were designed to be. Well, and yeah, that that's, and that's what it comes down to. We're, we're no longer the people we were created to be. And so then what, what we look to in redemption or restoration, again, it only makes sense if we understand God creating the world good, um, when, when we're talking about restoration, we're working against these effects and trying to to push back against the the effects of these fall. That, does that help, or is that yeah, okay. yeah, that that does help. And I and I think as we just kind of keep coming back to this, like I think this is really important for worldview. Like, yeah, absolutely, so important. This for is worldview. foundational. I would say, you know, so I, mm-hmm. and I think you and I have had this conversation in our many phone conversations or fireside. Sure. You know, some of the, um, you know, there's a really popular. I don't know how popular it is, but there's. Uh, people using social media and stuff saying like th- they're looking at these early Genesis things to right. change theology mm-hmm. later. Like it's in yeah. these, you know, where it's God says, you know, don't, don't eat from this tree because it's like knowledge of good and evil. And it's saying, well, the God in the old Testament didn't want you to have knowledge. Mm, yeah. And he said, you'd surely die. And did they die right away? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. but it's, it's this, it's how important it is for us to understand these opening, uh, this opening creation narrative. And, and the, the the fall and what that means and how how that positions us right. in relationship to God. Right. Well, I and I do I do think those are foundational stories. And, and, and just let me just address that good and evil thing a little a little bit there. I don't think it means that they didn't have knowledge of good and evil. It's it's the source of where that knowledge comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Because God is the source of good and evil. Like like his I should say the source of good and evil. He's <laughs> He, he's the source, source of, of good. knowledge. Right. Yeah. And and what he, again, as we said in a former time, what what is evil is evil because it is opposed to his nature. It's opposed to who he is. And that's where we get to the sin idea. Mm-hmm. Um, is sin is a, is those are those things that are opposed to who, who God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, I think I think that's what we see here in this. Let me show you one more thing here in Genesis chapter three. If you look at verse 15. And and here's where you know I want to make sure we're not just left in this kind of idea. Well, the world's fallen, everything's broken, and what a mess. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me, and we've talked before about even before the creation of the world, God had had these plans in place. But Genesis three fifteen is the very first mention we have of what God is going to do in in Jesus, uh, and we call this a lot of times the proto evangelium, the very first telling of the gospel story is what that means. Mm-hmm. And it's here in Genesis 3, which is really cool. Uh, it says, I will put enmity. This, and this is kind of an idea of separation or uh, always being at odds. I will put enmity between you. He's talking here to the serpent. This is the cursing for the serpent. Basically, it says you're going to crawl in your belly the rest of your mm-hmm. life now. Um, I will put enmity between you and between the woman, between Eve, and between your offspring, so the offspring, the children of the devil, that's mm-hmm. what... That's a phrase that Jesus uses in in, in John chapter uh, eight, interestingly enough, and and the woman, uh, I'm sorry, and her her offspring, and he will crush. In other words, the one born of woman will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And, and we understand this to be a reference then to to Jesus that that his, you know, Satan, and, and again, the serpent. By the way, we, we didn't talk about this idea. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. 
He's never called the devil or Satan here. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Mm -mm. But in the book of Revelation, it talks about that ancient serpent, the devil or Satan. I mean, that's so, so at least in yeah. Revelation, we have that, that thing made. Um, and Jesus seems to, to think that this is the devil as well. He says the devil was a liar from the beginning. And so we think about this being a lie, you know, about what God is doing. And, uh, and so, you know, we usually think of this as, as that's why traditionally we think of this as the devil or Satan. And I, I think there's, there's good reason to think that, but we, we think about the victory he won in a sense, Satan won over Jesus in, in Jesus being put to death. Yes. But of course that wasn't the end of the story. Right. And, and, um, uh, you know, Jesus then becomes, uh, you know, through his resurrection, defeats death, um, becomes victorious over sin and death. And gives us a way now to escape this this uh, effects this fall, mm -hmm. and gives us, as you said before, the the responsibility then of participating in in overturning the effects of these this fall as well. And we talked before about this Christmas Carol, uh, Joy to the World. You know, yes. far as the curse is found, you know, and that's where this idea of the proclamation of the gospel is. You know, from from Jesus' birth, his death, his 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 uh, resurrection. Uh, really gives us a way to to push back against this curse and and to to overcome the effects of this curse. Then, and that's what we see then happening in God's kingdom, and and that's what we look forward to in the age to come. Then as well, yeah, the crush, the final crush, yep, of the head, absolutely. So. Yeah, well, and I think it's really interesting going back to this again is you know not thinking of the curse as being God doing something, right. but just kind of. That announcement piece, like the yeah. PA system, like, you know, the train's going to come to a stop, but like right. basically God saying like, well, this is, this is what's going to happen now. Here's what's right. coming up uh, because you chose, yeah. uh, you participated in this and separated yeah. yourself from me. Yep. I think that's, I think that's the way, I think it's an interesting for us to think about it in that way. It's the way I would understand it. You know? Yeah. I, I'll be honest, I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. And, well, and I think that's why we get these, these images sometimes people, and that's why I think, you know, again, theology is learning to think well about these things. We get this idea that people, oh, God's so vindictive, you know, mm -hmm. doesn't get his way. So, and you'll, he's he, going to curse you. He's, yeah, he's going to bonk you on the head, you know, well, yeah. you didn't, didn't do what you're supposed to do. Ah, well, whack them all. Right. And, and I think, I think it's, it, it's, you know, that's more about us and our views of, of God and, and kind of a mistaken view than it is really looking at what God has. Again, theology is looking at what God has revealed about himself. And, and I see his mercy here, <laughs> you know, yeah. again, I, I think he could have, you know, and the other thing people say, well, why didn't he just, you know, kind of obliterate it? And I said, you know, the very fact that we can ask this question means that he didn't, mm -hmm. right? He, he loved us enough. To, to give us an opportunity to come to him and restore this relationship and, 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 you know, be involved in this work of restoration. So I think, you know, I think that's what it, what it comes down to. The very fact that we can ask the question <laughs> means that he had enough mercy to allow us to, to continue to, you know, seek relationship with him. Yeah. So, so what? That's my question. You know, this is, uh, this is my segment. So what? Well, so, you know, we reckon. <laughs> This is my turn. So, yeah. you know, so we, we recognize that there's these these broken relationships. Yeah. You know, you look at this in these four different ways. So what so what does it mean for us I think as we as we live our lives? Two two big takeaways. And the first the first one I would say is well, let, let me go back. Let me go to the second one first. The the second one <laughs> which I'm doing first. So I guess that makes it the Wait, first. Wait, so the one. first is the second no, and the no, second no. Okay. It's a fallen world. So I think we often think about that broken relationship with God. 
but we don't think about all those other relationships. And so now you might think, well, it's weird that you got this theology by thinking about sin, but it also has to do with what does it mean when we're being redeemed? So it means more than, now, please don't Mm -hmm. mishear me, the most important relationship to be healed and the first relationship that has to be healed is my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what Christ made possible with what he did on the cross, made it possible, and we can talk about that another day, how that happened. But my rebellion, my saying, I want nothing to do with the source of life, now I have been given an opportunity to come to life through Jesus, to be, and, and we use this term, regenerated, right, to, mm-hmm. to be born again. Uh, I'm given this opportunity um, to, to draw on that. And that relationship then, being healed, is the first step in the rest of salvation, I would say. Right. And here's my point. We often stop there, though, and we think that's the end end point in what it means to be saved. Mm-hmm. And I think that's caused some bad theology and some bad um, ways that churches operate then in the future. It's not just about that relationship. That's the most important one. Don't misunderstand right, me. Right. But then also the way I treat my neighbor, mm-hmm. right, the way I treat other people, the way I treat other members of the congregation. What? <laughs> it's an important Brian, part of this. No, I know. That's I know. a bridge I, too far, I'm man. Going, I'm going crazy talk. Yeah. We need to talk about Ephesians 2 one of these days and just what God has done in Christ in reconciling us to one another. But but he and, and here's the other thing. Like I said, this is the hardest thing for me to understand. And I would call it sanctification, that God, you know, here's what, what Jesus says is, is there's another comforter coming. And when we come to Christ, I think the Holy Spirit begins to live within us. Paul uses the term indwelling, and I think he begins to transform us. And you said we're not the people we were created to be, but I think he starts to recreate us into the people we were intended to be. And that's the process I would call sanctification. That he, He's working within us and making us more and more like the people we were created to be in the first place. So so that's part of it. Here's, here's the other thing is— even salvation affects creation, right? It, mm-hmm. it even affects the way that we um, we view our our work, the way that we view uh, our responsibility to creation. Uh, you were talking about some of the the DNA stuff earlier, and I know that mm-hmm. you you know people who are working on ways incredible to, to incredible ways to reverse the effects of some of these diseases. And here's what we sometimes see that as a separate thing. But I would say, no, this is a part of the way that God is working in the world through his kingdom in order to bring about this this idea of restoration. It's interesting. I don't know if you thought about this a lot. It's not as true as it used to be. But the original hospitals, you know, the whole idea of a hospitaler was a Christian concept. Right. Right. And and many hospitals were begun by Christian organizations. Religious groups, many of them Christian organizations. And, uh, you know, you can see that in the name, Methodist Hospital, or you'll see Baptist East, you know, all, all these different hospitals have these names that are associated uh, with with various church groups. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a part of the way that we're trying to say, okay, the world's not the way it should be. Death and disease is not a part of the way that the world should be. So we're trying to make it right. So I think that's that's an important implication here that there's much more for us to do than just to get right with God and and set and wait till the rapture, you know. Or that, that we're, we're active down. participants in this restoration. In the work of in, restoration. Or, or, or restorative mm-hmm. process. Yeah. You know, and I, we've talked about that before, that like as part of the kingdom, yeah. you know, ushering in the kingdom and it's yeah. pushing back against the yeah. this separation that has happened because right. of, of the fall. And the second thing I'll say is I think this has a lot to do with our view of God. 
Um, and we'll get more into this idea of sin. I think we'll talk more about it. But I think I think the way that we understand what God is doing in us, like I said, we we often there are people who see Him as vindictive or uh, irrational sometimes, mm-hmm. almost, or why why is this a sin and this isn't, or you know, I don't, white I don't, hot rage, right? But even and I can't tell you the number of times I say this. This kind of goes back to the fall. Because at the heart of sin, a lot of times, is this idea of wanting to decide for ourselves, mm-hmm. okay? Rather than taking our proper place within the created structure of the world mm-hmm. and saying, God is the creator, I'm not. Um, Isaiah says it this way, kind of gives us this image. Would the, would the pot say to the potter, you know, you didn't make me? Right. You know, th- that idea, it, like... How does that? How does that work? Right. You know that's that's an upside. How does the created thing say to the creator? That's an upside down way of thinking of these things, and and yet that's how many of us and and many people in the world live. That I'm I'm the master of my own destiny. I'm the one who's going to decide what is right for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that ends up in just brokenness. It ends up in more broken relationships. And, and, and I'll be frank. You see this sometimes in self-help gurus, right? Right. This is advice you sometimes get in books and these kind of things mm-hmm. that we make these decisions for ourselves in order to make us happy. And what ends up happening is just more and more brokenness. I think a good solid, you, you said this before, I think a good solid understanding of our faith and uh, uh, theology is crucial for us to understand how we are, we are to act. Um, you mentioned Francis Schaeffer. I think in the last episode we were talking mm-hmm. about the God who is there he wrote some incredible books, but then, you know, he also wrote this one that's, and, and how shall we then live, yes, right? Yes. That has to do with what, what are the moral implications of our theology is what mm-hmm. it comes down to. And I think that's, that's you know, our theology and proper understanding of our, of our thinking can result in right behavior. And it doesn't naturally result in mm-hmm. right behavior. There's other things that have to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the this idea of having right thought uh, is necessary as a foundation for right action, I think. Because if we're thinking wrong about things, we're going we're gonna to act incorrectly. So th- those are the kind of the two things I would say that are, that are this is the so what. This is the reason it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, wow, there's a lot to chew on yeah. there. And I, yeah. I think there's some great things to think about, like, to, to think about in there and how we think about sin and, and what yeah. happened and what's going on in the fall. And I think we're going to have another episode. Yeah, here I think on, we're going to uh, talk about sin some more. I mean, yeah, we have some more like kind of finished talking about kind sin. Of scratch the surface of it here. So, <laughs> right. well, Brian, thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. Um, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Good to talk to you, Ryan. Yeah. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are continuing our conversation about sin, what it is and what it does to us. We hope you'll join us for that. You can find show notes, links, and more at thebiblebistro.com, as well as sign up for our email newsletter to stay in touch, but also to get our exclusive video on how to use the Blue Letter Bible. So go ahead and sign up, and you'll get that email uh, with the video sent to you right away. You can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.